2: Welcome in, everybody, to the Monday edition of the Maze and Brew Podcast. A little bit later than our Monday shows usually go up, but hey, uh, it's the holidays. We're we're dragging a little bit, but it's a big week. Uh, A lot to discuss. This is a big recruiting week. Uh, I know we're kind of in between Michigan football and the bowl game right now. Michigan basketball has a week or so off after losing over the weekend. But this week is the early signing period, and here to preview that is myself, team site producer, Managing Editor of Mason Brewer, Anthony Broom, along with Von Lozan, who's the Deputy Editor and kind of our lead, uh, I guess I could call it lead recruiting guy, lead dog, whatever you want to refer to yourself as, Von. Uh, welcome in and let's, you know, we'll, we'll get right down to it.
1: Yeah, lead dog sounds nice. Thanks, Anthony. Good to be here. And uh, I'm excited for this uh, this week. The early signing period is always a good one. So let's get to it.
2: Yeah, the early signing period has kind of changed things a lot. I mean, it used to be, you know, I remember being in high school and checking my phone on a Wednesday in February to see guys that will sign or or had signed or what's going on across the country, but a lot of the drama of that February signing day, which still exists, it's that first Wednesday in February, has kind of been zapped away by the early signing period, which takes place uh, this Wednesday, the 18th. So you're going to see most of Michigan's class. If, If you're not familiar with this process, to kind of be a little uh, refresher for you. Most of their class, if not almost all of it, will be signed, sealed, delivered, ready to roll at Michigan by the time Wednesday comes around. Might have a few guys here and there that we'll discuss that are, are stragglers that may wait or guys that may still have to be on the board. But like I said, um, most of this class will sign. Uh, I, I think that... When you look at, you go up and down and it's, you know, it's another solid class for Michigan. And I don't know if it's one where you go, oh my God, Michigan's, you know, game changing with the way that they're recruiting on the trail. Nah, this is kind of about what they do. Um, so right now, before we get into the preview, knowing what this class pretty much is for Michigan, how do you see it right now, Vaughn?
1: Yeah, it's, it's not as good as last year's class where you had two five stars and a few really high four star guys like Charbonnet and Mozzie Smith, but it's another solid class. Um, They've got a few high four-star guys. AJ Henning is their top ranked player. He's a wide receiver, more built in that Mike Sandra still Giles Jackson slot, kind of do it all over the place. Offensive playmaker. He's your top ranked guy in the class. He's number 92 overall right now. uh, Of course, all these rankings could change by the time everything's all done in February, but Right now, he's at the top of the board. He'll probably be one of those guys that comes in and at the very least makes a special teams kind of contribution right away. Uh, But yeah, I mean, pretty solid class overall. Uh, No five stars, which uh, you've you've seen a few classes now with Harbaugh where they haven't reeled in any five stars. They weren't really in contention for a ton of those guys this year. Um, But I would consider this an overall solid class nothing to you know get too too excited about but also nothing to get upset over if you're a Michigan fan either I mean there's some some real nice kids in this class they've got pretty good depth all over uh, except for the quarterback position that's the one spot where they they need to get one guy at because they're they one commit JD Johnson had to medically retire because of a heart condition so they're kind of trying to find their their quarterback in this class still. But other than that, I'd say all around pretty solid.
2: Yeah, and you look at the numbers right now. I mean, they were, I believe last year was the eighth ranked class uh, this year. They currently sit at 11 as we record here today. Second in the Big Ten behind, you know who already. Um, But you look at the class and it's, I think it's about, it feels like about what you'd expect right now. um, In where Michigan's at, you've got a lot of, decent four-star guys you've only got you know we talk about recruiting gaps and things like that but um you know you have a couple guys who are kind of right there knocking on the doors being a top 100 player i'm not sure if 24 7 will release another um you know, rankings update before everyone is signed in february but you've got some good guys in this class and they're always guys that surprise there are guys that you think are going to be studs that um maybe don't um pan out that's just kind of the way it goes An example of this, you look at 2017 class with the wide receivers. He brought in a five-star in Donovan Peoples-Jones and three four-stars in Nico Collins, Tariq Black, and uh, Oliver Martin. And now two of those guys, I think whether they come out this year or not, pretty confidently can say those are NFL guys in in Peoples-Jones, in Collins. Think Tariq Black is an NFL guy, but if he realizes that potential, it's going to be Somewhere else because he transfers, and Oliver Martin obviously transferred. So it's a numbers game. You, you just, you know, these guys are lotto tickets. That, that's all it is. Uh, we can have our guesses on who's going to be a stud, who pans out, and things like that. But at the end of the day, it's going to depend on the situation, who gets coached up. I mean, coming into this year um, with the wide receivers that Michigan had, nobody, nobody in their right mind, and maybe there were some people in, in their right mind, but nobody. Could tell you comfortably that the best wide receiver on Michigan's roster was going to be a former two-star guy that that played basketball. So, um, yeah, that's just kind of the name of the game here. Uh, but when you look at you look at this class, I mean, you talk about them needing a quarterback. Uh, let's start with quarterbacks. What what's the situation there right now? I know C.J. Stroud is a guy that I'll you know might be best case scenario, but maybe not all that realistic. But how are they going to fill this slot that, that they lose by J.D. Johnson having to retire?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a big slot to fill. Obviously, you want to get at least one quarterback in every class. You'd be doing yourself a disservice if you didn't. But, yeah, I mean, Stroud, like you said, he's he's the top-ranked guy left on their board. He is the best-case scenario for Michigan. But, Unfortunately, it kind of looks like he's going to be headed to Columbus, play for Ohio State. It's where all the crystal balls lie right now. Love to and see it. Love the yeah, the groin. Fantastic, isn't it? It's, it's, you love to see it, like you said. But uh, yeah, so that, that's probably what's going to end up happening is he's going to commit to Ohio State, even though they already have a quarterback committed in their class, Jack Miller who's another four-star guy, so having two four-star quarterbacks and Michigan doesn't have a single quarterback. Uh, so they're, they're going to be scrambling if he, if he doesn't pan out, if he doesn't uh, commit to Michigan, which I don't expect. I would imagine that... They would probably offer someone on the fly, um, someone that we probably don't know of just yet, or they would look to the transfer portal, perhaps. Uh, that's been kind to Michigan for quarterbacks in the past with Jake Rudock and with Shea Patterson, obviously. And uh, uh, O'Corn as well. And and obviously, John O'Corn. Uh, who could forget him? But uh, I, I think that's ultimately what it's probably going to come down to is either C.J. Stroud, who is a top 100 guy, and if he were to commit to Michigan's class, he would be the top-ranked player in the 2020 class for U of M. But... I think more than likely it's probably going to come down to the transfer portal and them taking another look into quarterbacks there and I would if I'm a Michigan fan I'd hope that they get at least somebody just just to fill a name on the depth chart You're, you you got to get at least one quarterback in my opinion.
2: Yeah, it's and again this is a signing day preview so we don't want to dwell on the quarterback situation too much but I almost want like let's just is it going to kill them if they don't get a quarterback in this class? Because you've got, you know, maybe two years of McCaffrey and maybe three more years of Joe Milton. I mean, if it seems like the math would dictate one of those guys may not be around the duration of what their eligibility says they are. Um, and then you've got in 2021, the five star guy coming in, and J.J. McCarthy. So is it just, mm-hmm. is it kind of just a, you know, you kind of just need someone to fill a roster spot right now? I mean, J.D. Johnson was. I think he was a three star or a low four star. Um, not really someone that was expected to make waves as it is. So is that just kind of all it is right now? Is depth?
1: Um, I mean, yes and no. I mean, well, let, let's let me play the scenario out for you, Anthony. Let's say, please do. Yeah, let, let's let's say next year, 2020. Let's say McCaffrey wins the quarterback battle. Right. So you got at the bare minimum you got one year of him. Well let's just say that Joe Milton is like, you know what I've had it I, I've been here long enough to prove myself I can be a starting quarterback somewhere else. He enters his name in the transfer portal and he's he's gone. so you got McCaffrey and let's just say McCaffrey kills it that year in 2020. just hypothetically and then just bolts to the NFL who, who are you gonna have? Uh, you got K McNamara from last year's class, who is a solid quarterback and has some potential, but very unproven up to this point. And he probably would get very limited playing time, if any, next year. Uh, if McCaffrey were to have a really good season next year, Milton would then be gone. So you'd be left with McNamara and then a true freshman coming in. So I would say at this point, you, you got to get the depth there too, but. I, I would say just in case any injuries happen too, you never know. McCaffrey has has dealt with some injuries the last few years. He's taken some big hits and you never, you never know what happens with, with all these injuries to him and just with the transfer portal in general. Sure. Uh, you, you, I, I would say you got to get a quarterback. Um, like I said, whether it's Stroud, another quarterback that they offer late in the cycle and he ends up signing in February or a transfer guy. I, it, it really doesn't matter to me who, um, as long as you
2: get one. Yeah, I would agree with that, and I think that um, you do kind of you have to look at all possible scenarios. I imagine they are uh, look at a team like USC this year, and USC not a world beater by any stretch, but I think they still went eight and four. But they were down to I believe their third string quarterback. Uh, I think Keaton Slovis was their third or fourth string guy at one point, point. and yeah. injuries and stuff kind of took over to where that's you get thrown into action and Michigan to their credit outside of 2017 which was just like the ultimate bad luck quarterback year in general Michigan's had pretty good luck with having their quarterbacks available um, but that's not obviously it's not always the case and and the more of those guys you have and like I said he, as I pull up Slovis's profile here he was the 705th player in the country the 26th pro-style passer, and he was a three-star pro. Fan. So even if you get a guy that you're like, oh, well, he's a lower-tier guy, you just never know. They are lotto tickets. Um, and I do think that the way Michigan kind of coaches and develops its quarterbacks is changing a bit. I, I don't think they're going to be necessarily responsible to be as you know, pro-ready as as maybe some of the other guys were expected to be. Um, but we'll see what happens there. So we'll move on from quarterbacks. I think that to me right now, that's probably the biggest question mark just because it, it's so unusual to have a QB slot open this late in the cycle. I mean those guys are usually the first ones to drop and they're uh, yeah. the shepherds of the class, so to speak. So uh, as we look at, you know, you know quarterbacks a need, but as we you know, it's hard to say because there are so many guys committed and expected to sign already. Do you see any other positional needs in this class
1: right now? Not a ton. Um, They've they've filled pretty much every other spot. The one spot that I would say is cornerback. They've got, in total, four defensive backs committed uh, to the 2020 class. The one cornerback that they do have is Andre Seldon, who is not a traditional lockdown outside cornerback. He's more of your speedster slot cornerback looking to shut down the KJ Hamlers of the world and the three other guys they got are projected to play safety four-star Jordan Morant four-star RJ Moten and four-star Makari Page so I would say the one positional need that they still have remaining is that cornerback luckily they do have one target still on their board that looks pretty good right now with darian green warren he's a four-star guy he's from california it looks like it's pretty much down to michigan and usc at this point and all the crystal balls flowing in lately have been for michigan so and and just with the way that usc has been recruiting the last few years their recruiting has been god awful i i mean it, if if i'm a usc fan I, I was hoping and praying that clay helton uh was not retained but now that Clay Helton was retained, uh, I would imagine that this would be a pretty good opportunity for other programs around the country to get in on some of these Cali kids. And I think Michigan's trying to do just that with uh, getting Darian Green Warren on board. Uh, kind of unknown at this point when he's expected to sign or commit. He hasn't committed yet, but things are looking good for Michigan there. So, I mean, at the very least, the one positional need, in my opinion, that they have at cornerback, looks pretty good that they're gonna get their their second guy committed. So. Looking pretty good for cornerbacks. Other than that, I I don't really see a ton of other positional need around. I would say interior defensive line would would potentially be another one, but they've got four guys committed already Uh, on the defensive line. I would imagine that at least one of these guys is probably going to try and uh, be the next Carlo Kemp and, and bulk up, probably take a redshirt season, and then slide inside at some point but I mean that that remains to be determined a lot of these guys that they got on the d-line aren't not uh, D d-tackle caliber right now they're more of more of the undersized guys um coming in kind of like what Carlo kept did went from I think he was an outside linebacker went to d-end and then transitioned to the inside so it'll be interesting to see the development of yeah. Of uh, Chris Jenkins specifically, in my opinion, I think he would be the one guy that would probably moved in. Uh, but again, we'll, we'll see how this all plays out. Uh, but looking good for cornerbacks. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. Things will change pretty quickly once. You know, th- that's the thing that people don't realize. And, and, you know, we'll talk about early enrollees here in a bit. But something that people don't necessarily think about is when you do enroll early in, I imagine some of these guys will, um, that's just an extra semester. You have access to the football facility and the nutrition program. And um, yeah. so if you look at a class, it's hard to be like, ah, oh, well look at how undersized they are here uh, to a certain extent. Yeah. Like size in the trenches on both sides of the ball is a little bit of a concern for me moving forward, especially on defense, because like you said, you, you were just um, totally shoved around in the Ohio state game. And that's, Right now, that is where things are at. That is the measuring stick for all things. So, um, but good, yeah. You look through this class. I think that any when you go through and look at the scholarship and the depth chart and the guys that'll be moving on, it makes sense that they went a lot of the the directions that they did. Uh, and I think that there's a decent amount to like here. So, um, you know, we hear all these people say, "Oh, Michigan's recruiting has got to get better. They got to do a better job." You look at this class. It's right now. It ranks 11th. I don't know if, how much it'll move up or move down depending on what other teams do. But you know that's given that Michigan right now is just kind of a nine to ten win team a year. That's that seems about right for them. Given the brand and given the balance of power in college football at the moment, um, it is what it is. Uh, Got to mm-hmm. a little bit better, maybe. Got to coach guys up a little bit better. But um, yeah, things are looking pretty solid there overall. So. Uh, we talked about... Well, what, let's see. What direction? Do I, I'll tell you what. First, before I get into what's next, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back here on the Monday Maze Brew Podcast.
0: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
2: And we're back here on the Monday Maze podcast here. Myself, Anthony Broom, Von Lozan, previewing uh, the early signing day that's coming on Wednesday. I want to get this in there a few days early, so it's a little bit uh, you have a little bit of time to listen to it. So, uh, But let's go into early enrollees. We talked about kind of what this class looks like overall, how they filled their needs, what they're going to do at quarterback. Let's talk early enrollees now. I know you've talked to a decent amount of these guys. You kind of have a running list going. Who are those guys that you think um, – that not that you think, that the guys that will be on campus come January?
1: Yeah, so a few of their higher-ranked guys are going to be on campus in January, uh, enrolling early, and like we had talked about earlier, getting the nutrition program in and just getting acclimated to the college life. Uh, Their top in-state target from this cycle, Braden McGregor, four-star defensive end. He's going to be enrolling early. Four-star running back, Blake Corum. Four-star safety, Makari Page. Four-star offensive lineman, Zach Zinter. Four-star cornerback, Andre Selvin, who we talked about in the last segment. Three-star defensive end, Aaron Lewis. Three-star linebacker, Cornell Wheeler. Three-star linebacker, Nakai Hill Green. And three-star athlete, William Mohan, so good amount of guys enrolling early, and there weren't a, a a ton that enrolled early last year. I'd say this is probably right around that same number of guys that enrolled early last year. I think in 2018 they only had three guys enroll early. Um, so th- this is becoming a a, a bigger trend here uh, of, of guys wanting to enroll early and and getting to college uh before normal students and just getting the school in and getting the workouts in and, and getting acclimated to the playbook and all those things so everybody else that i've spoken to the reason that they're not enrolling early it, it's not that they're in uh, you know delaying their uh their commitment or anything like that, delaying their signing day or or anything like that, because a lot of these guys, if not all of them, do plan on signing during this December signing period. It, it seemed to be kind of like the same answer. It, it was more so either I just want to finish my senior year with my friends and and you know just I'm pretty much be a high school student because you got to remember that these these kids are seniors in high school. They do have lives outside of football shocking right but uh, they they do want to just have that uh, the last few months of high school and make those memories and I I specifically I talked with uh, Jeffrey Percy the uh, four-star offensive lineman and and he actually didn't seem very happy about the fact that he was not enrolling early and more so seemed like his school uh, was a school that wouldn't let him graduate early from high school and uh, something along those lines and and he didn't he didn't seem very very pleased with the fact that he was gonna enroll in the summer so a lot of these guys that aren't enrolling early it's not because they're they're delaying their commitment or they're signing or anything like that it's just that uh, it's just out, out of association or circumstance or they just you know want to just finish their high school career and make those memories and just enjoy it while they can
2: love to go back to high school and make memories. I don't blame them for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good list of names there. Um, so in terms of, I mean, we know who's probably going to enroll. I mean, we assume that the guys that enroll early will be the guys that sign on Wednesday. So do you yes. expect, is there anybody in this class right now that's committed that we don't think will sign on Wednesday? Because it kind of seems like, like I said before, the priority for a lot of these schools now is let's just get them signed sealed delivered in December so they can close out their business and we can move on to 2021.
1: I would expect pretty much everyone, if not all 25 commits to, uh, to, to sign during the signing period. And more, more often than not, a lot of these kids, I, I would say 99% of these kids end up signing on that Wednesday. I know the signing period is the Wednesday, Thursday and Friday but these kids don't screw around. They just, they just get it over with on Wednesday. They don't, especially the kids that have been committed for a long time, like Andre Selden. He was, I think he was the first, if not one of the first uh, kids that committed to Michigan in this 2020 class. I know he's definitely eager to get his facts in to, uh, to Ann Arbor. So I would anticipate all these kids end up signing their letters of intent tomorrow. But, um, I mean, maybe a player or two won't sign. I, I, that's to be determined. But I would anticipate pretty much everybody, if not everybody, signing tomorrow or on uh, on Wednesday.
2: Well, on the off chance, like I said, if, uh, there there might be a few spots still up for grabs. There might be a little bit of business to tend to come February. Mm-hmm. Um, the exact date escapes me at the moment because I didn't come prepared with a calendar. It will be... February fifth will be the next opportunity to sign after on after Wednesday. So, is there anybody still on the board for them? Maybe the we talked about the quarterback situation earlier, but um, no. Is there anybody else that we might be looking at here as as a guy to look for longer than just this week?
1: There are a couple of guys. Uh, there's there's an offensive tackle from Virginia. He's a three star. His name's James Pogrelk, and Andrew Gentry was their top ranked guy still left on the board until this past weekend uh, on the offensive line. I should say when he committed to Virginia and uh, James Pogrelk is kind of the last offensive lineman left on the board. And U of M's already got four offensive linemen committed to their class. So if they miss out on Pogrelk, it's not a huge deal, especially considering the haul that they had last year. I think they had six offensive linemen uh, in their 2019 class. Uh, but he would be a good addition, clearly. He's, he's more of an academic kid, too. He's, he's down to Michigan, Stanford, and we, we know how Stanford's been in Michigan's uh, side. And they've been the thorn in their side in terms of recruiting. Uh, but it's Michigan, Stanford, Virginia, uh, North Carolina's up there, too. Uh, it kind of sounds like it's going to be another like Michigan-Stanford battle here, but that would be one name to watch for sure. Uh, It's a kid that Ed Warner has been recruiting his tail off for over the last few months. Uh, He he visited and I I believe Warner also did an in-home visit with him too. So that would be one name to watch. Another one is a defensive lineman, Van Fillinger. He's a four-star guy. He was committed to Texas, but then decommitted not long after uh, their defensive coordinator uh, got fired. Uh, He apparently he's like a lifelong Michigan fan van fillinger is michigan had been recruiting him pretty heavily and then kind of backed off for whatever reason and then that's when he committed to texas but now that he's decommitted uh, kind of looking for a new home it looks like utah may be trending in this recruitment here given the fact that u of m has four defensive linemen committed their class i don't really see them pushing that hard for him i know that sean newa had taken an in-home visit uh, with him as well but I would imagine that if they want to take it one guy over the other, that they would take Elk over Fillinger. And I, I don't really think that they need either one per se. It's, it's more more just gravy uh, at this point uh, in terms of just getting another guy on campus and having another body in either the offensive or defensive line room. But, yeah, I, I, I don't think uh, Fillinger will end up committing to U of M. I think if anybody, it would be Elk.
2: I can never have too much depth, especially on the offensive line in the trenches. Again, the lot of tickets you have, maybe one of those hits for, maybe you get a dollar, maybe you hit for a thousand dollars. You just never know. So Mm -hmm. um, always good to have good depth there. Uh, Outside of that, I mean, are there any other storylines or like, you know, I'd love to sit here and say, keep an eye on this. Oh, like last year. Oh, we'll keep an eye on Dax Hill flipping back to Michigan. There's not really that drama there this year, is there?
1: No, no, there's, there's not a ton of excitement or drama like the Daxon Hill recruitment last year. Um, I wouldn't anticipate any crazy flip. I know that a lot of people on our, our, our comments, uh, they're, they're, they're hoping and praying that uh, Chris Hinton's little brother, Miles, ends up flipping from Stanford to U of M. And uh, he, he was Michigan's or at least one of Michigan's top offensive line recruits before he committed to Stanford. And he's been committed to Stanford since January. I know that that's a lot of uh, or that's that's on the minds of a lot of Michigan football recruiting fans. I definitely don't anticipate that happening unless David Shaw were to take an NFL job or leave to go somewhere else, which has been uh, the hot rumor as of late. Uh, Whether or not that happens, I have no idea. If he were to do that, I would say that the chance of flipping Miles Hinton grows a little bit stronger, but I still think that due to uh, Hinton's long-term commitment to Stanford, and just the fact that this is more of a, uh, uh, not really just football, but academic, Stanford's a great academic institution, I don't think there's still a great chance of, of him flipping, but that that would be the one to keep my eye on. I, I don't really see anybody else flipping last minute uh, that would flip to Michigan. Like I said earlier, there's no like there's no five star guys uh, deciding between Michigan and a few other schools this year, like there were last year. So I would say for the most part, things will probably be pretty tame. For Michigan come Wednesday, and then we can uh, look forward to maybe getting a few five-star guys in in 2021. But we'll see.
2: Well, you've already got one and a quarterback, so that's a good start. Uh, from yep. there, we'll see what happens. So maybe maybe Miles Hinton doesn't sign this week, and you know maybe that's something to look for. Who, who's to say? But uh, well, uh, is there, are there? Do you have any other thoughts on this class in general? Like I said, um, I'm still working at. I mean, admittedly, still working on getting myself. Back into uh, the recruiting game after being out of it for a few years with another gig, but uh, 2021 should be fun. Um, this 2021 yeah. class should be solid. Uh, it's you know it's 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 good. It's it's not it's not great, but there's some there's some good players in this class, and and that's <laughs> to me reflective of what Michigan is right now. It's a good, not great program. Uh, yep. you will recruit better if and it's this is no disrespect to the kids on the team. Or the kids in the class, they will recruit better when they win the games that they need to win to recruit at a higher level. It, it's that's it is what it is. I mean, you can you can't you can play musical chairs with the coaching staff. You can you know change styles, change schemes, but at the end of the day, you win games and, and recruiting is not going to be an issue for you, especially at Michigan, <laughs> which you know the block M the block M kind of recruits itself to a certain expe- uh, extent. So. Um, Yeah, any other storylines that that you might – I may have just asked you this already, but anything else you want to clean up before we get out of here?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I definitely agree with what you're saying. This is a good, not great class. There's some – there's potential for some great players in this class, don't get me wrong. I think the strong suit of this class is on offense. I I really like Blake Corham, the running back. I really like the wide receivers. A.J. Henning and Roman Wilson, and uh, there's another slot guy. He's he's considered an athlete right now, but he'll probably end up being another kind of Giles Jackson, kind of just throw wherever and just let him make a play, is Iman uh, Dennis. He's a three-star guy. He'll be wide receiver. He'll be in the backfield. He'll be split out wide, and I think we're going to see a lot more of this out of Michigan next year uh, when, um, you know, you get – you know some of these other kids in in the mix with with Gattis's offense that he wants to do. I think we're going to see a whole lot of different stuff coming out of here. So I, I think Henning Wilson and Dennis are, are real good pieces there. I think Coram's a really good piece there. Um, you know I, I think this is more so uh, better on offense uh, this class is than than the defense. There are a few few good defensive pieces there. Um, McGregor, obviously, once he comes back from his injury, I would imagine would get some some run in the two deep on the defensive line. I think Claude Mullings is a really good linebacker. He's a four-star guy. Um, and then Jordan Morant and uh, R.J. Moten and Makari Page, they're, they're three real good safeties back there. So kind of like you said, a good, not great class. I anticipate some of these kids probably being uh, pretty good eventually. And another uh, handful of these kids will be – probable freshman uh, contributors. I would imagine Henning's one of those guys. I'd imagine Blake Coram's another one of those guys. But we'll see with uh, Chris Evans coming back next year. But, yeah, there's there's, there's some excitement around this class, I would say, uh, more so on offense than defense. But uh, I would expect this to be at the end of the day when, when the four years are up for these kids, I, I would probably look back on this class and say that it was a solid class. It's, it's nothing to uh, – you know, Like I said earlier, no, nothing to be upset about, nothing to be um, super excited about, but pretty solid overall is, is what I'm getting out of this.
2: Well, sounds like a good deal to be. I don't want to talk too much about the class because you and John will be back later this week to wrap up what happened on Wednesday. Sure will. So, um, definitely keep your eyes out for that. Um, Vaughn, why don't you tell the people where they can find you on social media?
1: You can find me on Twitter at Vaughn underscore Lozon. Simple
2: enough. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at Anthony T. Broom. Follow the website on Twitter at Maison Brew. Find us, you know, Facebook, Instagram, wherever the kids are these days. We'll find our way there. Uh, You can subscribe uh, and rate our podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify. Wherever you get your shows, we're there too. Vaughn, appreciate your time. Uh, We'll see what happens with the the class and look forward to hearing you again later this week yes sir
1: thanks for having me on
2: of course